Hi everyone, Sam here, the host of Tapped into Bowhunting and Archery. The opinions expressed on this show may not necessarily represent Titanium Archery Products as a company. While I do have a great deal of experience as an archer, I don't consider myself an expert in any particular area other than the products I design and produce for TAP. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to Tapped into Bowhunting and Archery. This is Sam Schaefer, host of the show. Today we're doing another special uh, edition of the show where we have one of our team members on as a guest. Yesterday we had Michael Lawrence and today we have Tom Spiz. He is uh, based out of Michigan and I will allow Tom here in a, in a second to explain everything he can about himself and what he wants to get into. It's important to highlight that we have a great team and that we like to give these people the opportunity to talk about the accomplishments that they've made in archery and bow hunting. So welcome to the show, Tom. Oh, Sam, thank you. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Great to have you on and thank you for giving us the time. So as I said, you're in Michigan. Anything you'd like to tell us about yourself? Uh, it's cold outside right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. No, it's uh it's a good state. It's a great state for, for being outdoors, uh, hunting. I've grown up hunting probably since I was six, four. I remember going out in the woods with my father. Um, he just drowned it right away. And I remember begging to go out, at, go out at times when, uh, you weren't allowed to go, you know, fire up or something at the time. Uh, you know, their parents just being safety for the youngsters. And, right. Uh, but you're just drawn to it. And, here we are today and still at it strong and, you know, learning, you know, you're always learning more and yeah, equipment in the woods. And, yep. you know, I just put a stock on eight does the other day. Nice. Um, they went a different route and lo and behold, I didn't, I didn't get the shot. I got busted by a little one. I thought I was good. And oh, yeah. I should have, I should have went one more, one more, I, I call it an aisle and the trees over. Okay. That would have been fine, but you know, yeah, always learning. That's a great point, man. And uh, later on, we'll get into that. With every guest we have on, that's something I want to make sure we talk about is not just how you were successful. We learn more from where we fail. You know, I really believe that. And I don't think enough content out there focuses on when things didn't go right or when, you know, you made a mistake that may have led to not getting the correct shot or not getting the animal or whatever it might be, whether it's target archery, maybe, you know, not getting that last X that you needed, or it could be anything. And that's where people, real people want to hear real stories about what it's like, you know, to be in those situations. And, and social media focuses so much on success. And if you, if you would just focus on that and look at that, you might think, everybody shoots a booner every year, you know, or, you know, like everybody makes every shot clean and that's not reality. You know that I know that. And I think that's important. We, we do highlight that. So you're into competition shooting. You're also into bow hunting and you want to talk about, um, first of all, let's talk about what led to being involved with our company, our team. And if you can share what you see as the value in being part of a growing grassroots kind of approach that we have. So as you know, you know, with a uh, outdoor hunting archery, there's so many companies out there. Mm-hmm. Um, I was using, I've used different accessories, um, 
throughout time hunting and you know archery competitions um we, we get used to a standard call out uh you know from social or um you know just shooting at leagues what your buddy has so i had uh you know just a regular carbon stabilizer uh, it did its job it kept the the bowl stable um but when i saw a tap i you know i, I should have jumped on it sooner <laughs> but i was curious i was waiting to see what right. the difference was right. um, and so finally i grabbed i still have it right here it's, a, it's the presser hunter mm-hmm. and i knew it was the same length as what i had um but i said you know titanium alloy different from carbon and uh the secret inside that you do um right that was even more interesting once i found that out but as soon as i shot the first thing I noticed was I didn't feel that vibration kick that you would, you, I didn't notice it until I shot the, the titanium stabilizer, your stabilizer, because as, as human beings, we get used to a norm. It's a normal feeling. Okay. You know, I'm keeping this as help and keep my bow steady, but this shock that I'm feeling, it shouldn't be there. Yes. Yep. Um, and it's not necessarily a crazy big shock. I wasn't using, you know, like a, if you're using a full carbon bow, you're going to get more right, um, right. feeling on a more shock a sensation. Absolutely. Um, so that was just what was more amazed to me was, I said, wow, there's, there's nothing felt here. Uh, stability wise, as soon as I started walk back tuning my bow, at, you know, once I hit 40 yards, I really could notice a difference from a, a carbon stabilizer of the same length versus your stabilizer of the same length. Right. Yeah. That's, that's a common, uh, that's a common theme that I would say customers give us feedback on is that they go back further. They start to see differences. They are seeing these differences, like you said, in how the bow is reacting in their hand. And that's where I believe we need to stress with people that this is the key to these products. It's what it, it does for the bow as the shot is occurring, as the, as the arrow is leaving the bow. You can take, and we often say this, you could take any rigid material, make a stabilizer out of it, and it'll hold the bow well before you shoot. It, it, that's not really that important in our view. You shouldn't judge a stabilizer necessarily only on that basis. Certainly, that, that's probably the least important thing in our view. Yes, you want to have light body weight throughout the, the stabilizer and have a, a certain amount of end weight there. And if you if you accomplish the correct ratio, it'll hold okay. But it but it may not do what you need it to through the shot. And that's where titanium has special properties. So you noticing that meant a lot to me right off the bat because I, you know, I remember you know when we found out about you know, that you were interested uh, another one of our guys that was shooting the product, I think is who referred you. And, you know, I was thinking, okay, well, this guy's into competition shooting and, you know, he's a, a shooter for Bowtech. You were at that time as well, right? Yes. Yep, yep. At the time I was. And I thought, well, you know, that's pretty meaningful that somebody who has uh, above average, considerably above average level of understanding will see this. And, and maybe that shouldn't have surprised me because that's, I think, in large part, maybe why you saw it. it. You know, you do have the level of understanding about the bow and what it takes and the feel and you're in tune with your bow. Whereas some people are not that in tune with their bow and they may not they may not be able to decipher as much. 
But uh, yeah, so the hunter model, man, you're, you're going back a ways. Yeah, it's going yeah. back. Yeah, I'm looking at it right here, you know, and it, it was, uh, it was like you said, it's for the hunter. Most folks, yeah, um, when they put on their bow, they're not looking to add anything. Right. We didn't, it was the model that you couldn't add weight to it. Yeah. Like it had to add weight already. Yeah, that's, um, yeah. It's a still great stabilizer. And, it was. Uh, but know, it, I, I use it for down in the basement sometimes if we're trying different setups. Right. Uh, right. Yeah, it's one of those kind of things. It evolved, and um, well, that's what led me to want to be more involved with TAP, uh, your company. Um, I saw something from it, and it's it's grow it's grown so much already. Uh, right. And it's one you know being involved on like a, a, an ambassador or a shooter in today's world. Um, I always say you know you got to go in with the mindset of where do you want yourself in the in the industry or as an individual everyday life um if you're someone who's jumping ship from time to time and you're not going to grow with a company you discredit yourself you do um, you certainly just, do you just looking for the next thing oh let's try this out this seems to but um and there's a lot of guys that are still around from day one um and we're getting new great teammates yeah. um yeah. And so that's one thing to always look for. And it's, it's you know, we're talking about new products. Uh, the sidebar mount that just came out. Mm-hmm. Uh, the string, you know, so it's, that's one thing I'd say is if you're looking for that, do it because you want to grow with the company and grow yourself. Don't do it because you think it's the next greatest yeah. thing and you're going to yeah. jump ship when something else comes. Yes, that's a phenomenal point. And, and we have seen that occur with some people that, that came on is that they were swept up in what maybe they thought was the latest, you know, thing to be hyped. And while I think they do see the benefit to them as, as an archer with the products, I, I have to wonder if maybe they weren't really invested quite to the point that we were, we're looking for from people. You know, it's, uh-huh. like, like you said, it's, it's a different mindset you have to take if you're going to be part of a team you really need to see that it's not necessarily what they can give you. It's not just about what you can give them. It's a mutual, it's a mutual relationship, mutually beneficial. And it goes back and forth. And I think that's something I really tried to focus on, you know, with everything that's been happening and the products in development constantly and prototyping things, it is difficult at times to stay on top of everything happening with the team. But I always tell people, I'm going to give you a hundred percent, in that respect, if you need to get a hold of me, you can. And that's, I, I feel maybe in a way that's maybe even more important than the products themselves is what the company's men- mindset is or the company's uh-huh. approach. And, you know, people feel like they belong on, on a team. They feel like they offer something of value to us and they do a, a huge value. So I appreciate the support you've given us over these couple of years. And uh, I'm hoping we get some really good new candidates coming in. Uh, we'll be short. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I agree. And it's been a pleasure. And, you know, when you mentioned like the team, I just, I was thinking like, you back to grade school, uh, with the gym class or, or, you know, phys ed, whatever they call it, you, you get put on teams. Oh yeah. It, it becomes yeah. in your blood and nature that it does. Um, you work together as what? Yeah. Great point. Um, great point. And that's, you know, it's a great, great thought. Yeah, and people like to support something as part of a group. And, you know, it's not, we're not here asking people just to bang the drum of tap and promote, promote, promote. 
it, it's yes, we need products pushed out there, obviously, but that's not all this is about. And I do feel like there are some other examples in the industry where, you know, people get this product and the company just says, okay, go at it, promote, and we kind of forget about you the rest of the time. And that's not what we're going to do. That that, that would be, I'd say I'd be hypocritical on my part to, to even think that would be what we would expect of people. It's not. And, uh, you know, I want to assure people of that. So Team Tap is a great resource and, and I'm sure you'll be part of that for quite a while yet. Um, oh, yeah. And let's talk now. I guess let's get into, um, you know, we could talk about your, your hunting setup if you want. We could talk about your target setup, too. You can talk about what you accomplished, if you'd like, as far as getting, you know, the 2017 competition that you were involved with. Yeah, well, I'll, we'll probably, you know, let's, let's chat. We'll probably be both a little bit together. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you try to, you, sometimes you just start venturing into another one. It leads into it. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but let's, let's see. I'm looking at. So the one that I've, I've, I kind of, I fell into the same, uh, as for stabilizers, I fell into the same setup um, from what I was running last year to this year. Uh, you know, I'm running, I have the Elite Stabilizer, 8-inch, mm-hmm. uh, that's on the front. And then I'm running a 6-inch off the bat. And last year, based on, so now... I'm, I'm talking about the site that I, I, I use on Montana Black Gold site mm-hmm. on the setup. Um, the one I had on there, it was a little bit heavier. Um, right. Actually, I did a little video I shot over um, some slow-mo, and I couldn't believe the flex that was coming out of the site. I was trying mm-hmm. to see, you know, how the rigidity of the stabilizer was. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, getting a new phone that can produce in a super slow-mo is I'm like, all right, now we're going to shoot some arrows. Yeah, that's cool. Um, that's cool. But with the sights, I had, I was actually had two, two, no, three extra ounces uh, on the rear stabilizer to offset that weight. Uh, versus now with the bow that I have them set up on, same setup, but I, I only have five ounces of weight to offset the sight. The sight's a little bit different. Okay. Um, so that's one focus is, you can, anybody who is looking to run a rear stabilizer, mm-hmm. you know, I'd recommend the first time if you can get to a shop that has one of those bow balancers, mm-hmm. it, it creates a great sense of feel of what a perfect balance bow feels like on that unit. Right. Um, but Good. that's at rest. Right. right. A perfect balance bow is going to be a full draw when the right. bow feels balanced in your hands and you know when you achieve it. Oh yeah. So what yep. what I've started doing is I add weight on the rear. I usually have like one or two uh, on the front, um, depending on what I want, what I'm trying to achieve. But as soon as you can, you're holding. I use it between my thumb and my index, and kind of with the the bow teeter totter, and you just add weight until it, it feels pretty solid, like it's, it's balanced out, mm-hmm. and then you shoot it. Yeah, um, that's what I do. About the same. And, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, for the rest, um, you know, I, I, I was drawn to a limb driven rest, um, over the cable. Uh, and my, this is just my personal opinion on it is I felt there was a quicker timing. Um, you yeah. know, when you're attached when you're at full jaw, 
sure. your limbs are flexed in mm-hmm. and then you release, they release out. So it's right in time with, with the limbs. Um, I know a lot of guys run cables. I just, from over here at, uh, where I'm at in, in some leagues, there was, I saw so many issues with timing that guys had. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Or some of the models, they just weren't going down for but some reason. Quickly enough. Uh, so that yeah. uh, so I didn't want to ever, yeah. ever have to face that, especially on, yeah. you know, I still see, I saw a story the other day that happened to a guy who went to shoot at a bruiser and his, his um, drop away uh, did it, didn't go down. Oh, man. Uh, that's, that's, a, that's a frustrating situation right there. So and, that's kind of, you know, you I know. just, it kind of, that was back into reviews that was, you know, I was looking at reviews and I, that's how I had a limb driven. Yeah. Um, you know, I know there's reviews out there of stabilizers right. um, and that's what's going to drive people to the technique and alley. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're right. It, it does. That's, you know, I, as a consumer on all kinds of products I'm looking to buy, I do rely heavily on reviews of other people. I, I feel like if you see enough positive reviews, it should indicate that that you're looking in the right place, that you are looking, you know, towards the right options. Yeah. Yeah, that's what, I mean, that's like you said, that's where it starts. Um, and, but still, even there, the problem is um, it boils down to time invested. Yeah. Uh, you know, because based on um, algorithms and sure. the platform, yeah, they always will highlight yeah two of the worst reviews up top. Right, um, I see it in, in right. my job, um, and it's because someone had a bad experience. Yeah, um, it can skew. Are, are meant to fail. There's recalls on vehicles every day. I know it can skew. Um, it can skew your perception a lot when yeah. you see that, and that's a great point. You know what, what you're being exposed to is calculated. It's for you know it's for a reason. So you do have to understand, like when I see a dramatically bad review for any kind of product, but it varies so much from what most people are saying, I, I take that with a grain of salt, you know, and I realize, and I've learned this in running this business, there are certain people that you will never be able to please no matter what you do. And they will find something to gripe about. <laughs> and and that happens, you know, and, and you'll see those kinds of reviews on products. And, and then I think... Maybe that's one of those people who just wants to nitpick. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. You, know? you see it, and uh, yeah, that's where they landed, and that's where yeah, you know, they tend to stay is in that type of a yeah. mindset. Which yeah, is, that's true. There's always potential. Um, you know, always trying all the way up to, um, you know, I I ran a it's a precision peep, and it's it's another inch. It's it's abnormal. Um, just kind of like you know the, the titanium based alloy it's not the standard yep. so that's what led me to that was uh, you know that style it's got a poster at the center I, I've tried of, that it, I've tried that it's team. like looking down iron sights yeah. on a rifle I've tried that um, and it's interesting um, you know I'm still playing with colors on that because they come in different colors mm-hmm. uh, but that comes back down to even the stabilizer setup you're always playing with yeah. how the angle is going to kick off to the left to the right you know are you going to run it um, like the one I have it as close as I can uh, to the cables and strings coming out without being in the way. Right. Um, but then there's other ones. Other times I've, I've kind of kicked out a little bit more. Um, I know I've seen yours a few times. Yep. Um, you know, up close to the riser, kicked down. Yep. At, you know, at a 45. Um, I I believe strongly in in the idea that 
it's not harmful, but it's actually helpful to play with the setup. And, and I, I kind of reject completely the, the argument that people make about, well, it's, it's in the middle of the season. I don't want to make any slight adjustments. If you have the opportunity to get out in the range and make, you know, make a verification that the change you made is still giving you good accuracy, I see no reason not to make adjustments as you move along throughout your hunting season, throughout any period of time. You know, to me, it's healthy to constantly be examining what you're doing. And, you know, I've always been a tinkerer. I've always wanted to constantly adjust to get the best performance. And I'm never fully convinced in many cases that I have the best setup yet. I I think there's a way to get it better somehow. And as as long as I think that way. I'll keep developing the kind of products that I do. And as yeah. long as you think that way, you're going to keep getting better overall as an archer. And I, I, I've had people say, well, I want a new stabilizer, but you know, I, I really can't get one until the season's over. And I, I don't know. The only thing I think you're going to really see is better accuracy. You know, well, you're going to wish you got it sooner. I mean, right. When you said that <laughs> season, I, I just, this just did it myself was I had a stream mishap on the, on the new um, hunting rig. And I was like, I, I have to uh, get this done. And so season's already kicked off. And right. so I went and set it up. I got all the timing done, um, you know, checked the camling and shot it the X amount of times. You know, you just take a good four hours or so yeah. um, and get the bow undivided attention. Right, uh, right. And you, you honestly, if, you, if you're on and you feel confident, you could – Get up in the morning. You could do the same thing. At, start at eight. You could be ready to go hunting in the afternoon. Oh, easily, uh, easily, yeah, absolutely. You'll, you'll know if, if you're capable. If you have the equipment to do it yourself, at that point, you're going to know if this bow's ready to go or not. Yeah, uh, and you know, and another point of, uh, that you know ties into that is that you know this gets you back to doing additional shooting with the bow through the season. Where I think a lot of people, and I'm not going to to say I understand or know that it's everybody out there, but a lot of people don't shoot much throughout their hunting seasons. It's sort of as far as practice goes. No. And, you know, and you know, I, my, my bow is set. I'm good to go. And the only shot shot I'm going to take is if it's an at an animal. You know, and, and it's like I don't. I don't think that's how you should see it. You should be shooting as much as you can throughout the season, throughout the winter. You know, it's, you know, if if you just pick up your bow in July or August and that's when you shoot. And then after that, you're done. uh, You're not as good as you could be. You're definitely not as good as you could be. And, you know, so that's, that goes along with that mentality. And I, I really value the way you see it. And that's how I see it. And I'm not telling people they're wrong if they do it differently. But I would like them to open up their mind to that a little and to embrace the idea that that it's okay to make changes and it's good. It's healthy, actually. You know, so uh, there, something you brought up oh, about five, ten minutes ago now, I guess, was where you talked about side stabilizers and how you have one. And I really think we should go back to that and talk about that a lot because that is an area where – I would say the the average bow hunter still does not have much experience with is side stabilizers. And no, uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. Yeah, and, and they don't, you know, people will look at it, they'll look at my setup. I'm in Pennsylvania, and they'll think, well, you're just doing that because you run the company. And no, it's it, it's partially because of that, but I also do it because it gives me better performance in the woods and I hunt 
you know, conditions that are, you know, thick brush or whatever. I hunt out of tree stands, I hunt out of ground blinds. It's not in my way. It makes me better as an archer. So talk about why you think side stabilizers help. It, it's, it's really, it's going to balance up the bow. Um, you know, first, like I mentioned, it's the site. You're, you're balanced. Those, those sites, they can weigh a lot, especially jump into, you know, a target style. Um, you have the sight bar. Yep. Um, even though you can get a carbon, you know, carbon dovetail, uh, or even, you know, there's some out there, you never know what's being innovated. The site itself, there's scope, mm-hmm. you, you know, you got machine aluminum, uh, you're, you're putting in a glass that, that's adding weight. Um, so now your bow is all front heavy. Right. Very much so. If you, if you hold it in your hand, it's going to tip forward. Yeah. Um, you're gonna so the best way really try to visualize it is you put it on there and you you draw back and you're holding it it's gonna feel you know like you're stable but you're actually if you if you really think about it you're you can feel the back of it you're moving more mm-hmm. uh, you're not holding steady at full draw yep uh, and that, so you have the sight first and then you also have that front stabilizer on there so if you have yeah so you say you put a six inch stabilizer on there and you have three ounces of weight because you saw your buddy, right. you know, put it on. So you think that that's what you need. Yeah. You have to counter that weight. Um, and that, you know, when that comes down to torquing the bow, yeah. um, as you shoot, that, that's heavy. And if you get a full draw and you got a, a you know, buck walking out in front of you and he doesn't step out right, but you're waiting and you actually have to hold for another 40 seconds. Right. Um, that's going to play a factor. Big time. And, Big time. Yep. So it's, it's yep. crazy. Um, in, in the, you know, position. So, you know, depending on how the bow's all tuned up and where the sight lands, uh, you know, it's going to be center. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But you might see more of that, um, base of the site housing could be off the left more, um, off sure. to the right, depending if you're right or left handed. Yeah. So that's where I see, you know, the angle come in on the, uh, you know, the adapter, the back bar adapter. Yes. Um, it might be, you, you can get it close, um, but sometimes you might have to kick it out a little bit. Yeah. It, it, if you look at, um, you, do. you know, you see this in, you know, you'll see it in spot shooting. Um, I, I personally see it more in you know, recurve style, the Olympic style. Uh, shooting and where you seeing you're seeing a v-bar coming out the back of them and those are practically at 45 degree angle right and sometimes they start and this even i was reading um a guy's profile the other day on um one of his shooter uh, the companies represented and he switches up from the same balance weight on both uh back stabilizers to at times he might have more weight on the left rear stabilizer to counter, he's countering the sight, the mm-hmm. front stabilizer, yeah. and a little bit of the right rear stabilizer, but he also has weight on the right one. Yeah. So yeah. there's all sorts of... So many configurations yeah. you can get into. Oh, and, yeah. and that's that's what I want to stress, is that A, yes, when deployed the way it should be, and when you've gotten the angles set very close to where they need to be, there is no doubt, hands down, that this makes you better in whatever 
form of archery you're involved with. It may take a little adjustment time I've seen with people to get used to the, to how it feels. But if you put a little time in, you will quickly see that it, that it you know, makes a big difference. And I'll tell you right now, in my own hunting this year, I was able to see that, uh, you know, when I was in the stand, I had, you know, this is the biggest archery buck I've taken to date that this year. When he came in, you know, just, you know, how, how the adrenaline rushes, you know, how you get excited. And, you know, that's something that's hard to contain. So because those factors exist and your body's reacting the way it is, if your equipment can help mitigate that somehow and give you a, a better ability to stay focused, to stay, to keep the hold where it needs to be and be very steady with the bow through that shot, you're helping to counteract some of the things that, that occur in your own body that happen when you get excited, when you're out there. And, you know, and I, and in these deer I killed this year, you know, the four deer, it just, everything felt so solid and, and the follow through was so good and the bow was so anchored that contributed to my own confidence as, as the archer out there, as the hunter out there. So I think we really need to, to get people to think about the side stabilizer as a legitimate option to put it on there to, and to find out, Hey, there really is improved benefits, not for looks. It's not to be cool. It's not because everybody else, it's high-end guys do it. It's because it works, you know, and that's what I want people to hear. And uh, I did some tests, and I think you'll find these pretty interesting too. This is the first time I've even talked about these, actually. So this is, a, this is breaking news here. But I did some tests the other day on Sound Spectrum, looking at a front stabilizer only, um, looking at no stabilizers, looking at front and side stabilizer. And seeing how the sound is being transmitted downrange and seeing what suppresses that sound more. And, you know, it's fascinating to, to look at this and reach these conclusions about what stabilizers really do, what ours in particular do. They are conduits for energy. They channel energy very effectively away from the riser. So by having just a front stabilizer on, for example, the microphone is picking up the spectrum of sound at a higher level in front of the bow than when you add the, the side stabilizer on as well. So if you have the side stabilizer added, now energy is also being channeled back away from the bow, away from the riser, away from the mic. And there was a noticeable suppression across the board, highest level of decibels and in every spectrum range the side stabilizer made a massive difference on that. So you could theorize that downrange sound is what impacts, certainly impacts deer jumping the string, right? I mean, would you agree? Oh yeah, I agree. Yeah. And, you know, looking at these results, I'd have to say that a side stabilizer dramatically is going to improve your chances of deer not jumping the string, according to sound anyway. And that was eye-opening. To me, I knew they made a difference overall in accuracy. I always have been promoting these for a couple of years now, but seeing how they actually impact the sound is startling. So, yeah, that is crazy. That's that's interesting to hear. Yep, you know the stats that you got. Yeah, you run that. It, it's. I mean, it I'm, gonna, I'm gonna put it out there soon and show people what these graphs look like and show people how many decibels you're actually seeing a difference. And, you know, and I'll, I'll try to break it down at some point on another episode, but a couple decibel difference is actually far bigger than people realize what it actually means to how you perceive sound and how an animal perceives sound. 
you know. So if you look at if you look at like Inside Archery or Arrow Trade, these magazines that come out, they'll do flagship bow tests and they run sound tests, they run vibration tests. They'll give you a weighted average overall decibel that, that came in. And they'll say, like, for example, oh, this bow registered at you know, 74 decibels. But that's only giving you a small sliver of the picture. That's the highest recorded frequency that came in at that decibel level. But then there's a whole spectrum of, of other sounds that exist. So when any sound is made, there's multiple frequencies. You know, so you're only looking at one little picture. Well, we're looking at the whole picture. We're looking at the entire spectrum and saying what levels within that bigger picture are being pushed down and is the overall highest volume also being pushed down. And that's what we see with products like this. So a single stabilizer on the front may not impact overall sound a whole lot as far as uh, what's being read, but a second one does. And that's, I think that's a big angle we have to push and, and let people know about. Well, it's, I mean, yeah, that is interesting. If you, if you even think about it too, with, with, with tap stabilizers, the titanium and the, you know, the vortex field that you have in there, um, it's, that's catching all of that energy coming off that bottom cam. Um, exactly. I guess not say all the energy, but it's helping. A lot. Um, a lot of it's being caught. I have to agree. Yeah. And that bottom cam, if you only have a front stabilizer on, which, you know, it is below the center line of your bow, but not much below the center line of your bow. And it's at the front. So how much of the cam energy going limbs is being is being affected by that front stabilizer only? Probably not as much as you'd like. If you have your side mount located lower, I know, uh, you know, your Botex have a fairly low uh, bushing where you can mount that rear stabilizer. Um, my Athens bows do. The lower that can be, the better in terms of how it will impact uh, performance and sound. So it's just uh, one of those things. I, I, I get excited. You probably can tell as listeners. I'm sure you can tell. <laughs> I get really excited about things. And some people are thinking, well, you know, like that's complex. Like I don't need to understand that. I'm not saying you do, but, but, but think about it. Think about what it means in real terms, how it can affect you in the woods, how it can affect you in just real performance. And, you know, maybe your intent is, well, I just want to kill a nice buck. I just want to kill a deer. I want to kill an elk, whatever. I don't need to understand that. I'm not saying you do, but it's worth your time to think about. I oh, it is. It and is. I mean, even if someone didn't want to think about it so much, if they could, you know, I know they have your number from the order. Uh, right. You know, they could reach out to nearly any ambassador. Oh, um, for sure. Part of the team. Um, you know, I would be happy if, hey, someone wants to shoot me a, a message on Facebook there that can explain, oh, yeah, we should probably, you know, might want to pitch it a little bit more this way, add a little bit more weight on right. the rear stab. Right. That's shoot a great it, point. Let me know. You know, you do some videos um, and you help. FYI, FYI, guys, FYI, listeners, Tom is offering his expertise to help you set up your bow. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, just don't. Don't, uh, don't FaceTime it at, at 2 a.m. <laughs> yeah, well, there are there are some individuals that have done that with me. have tried to contact me at like 1 or 2 a.m. And, uh, you know, so, yeah, there are there, there are times where people may step over the line. But for the most part, I, you know, hey, shoot a message over. And if I can't yeah. respond, I won't. Or shoot one over to Tom. And if you can't, he'll, he'll get to it when he can, you know. Yeah, because, I mean, the biggest – usually out of hunting setup, it's rather – quick to achieve the, the set that you need 
um, versus on a, a target setup, um, it could be a little bit more difficult. Oh, and I when I was first learning on, you know, the, the term where they say, you know, get it balanced and then load up the rear stabilizer. It's like, it wasn't much help. Um, and, but I mean, I still tweak it. Um, you know, that's the one where I have, uh, that new tap, um, rear stabilizer mount. Um, and like you mentioned, I'm able to attach it right on the rear of the riser mm-hmm. instead of going off the, off the front. Yep. Um, but you know, I have it right here and it's not on mine. It's not straight as, as on the hunting rig. I had it more kicked out to the left of the bow to counter yeah. my setup. And I have, like in my setup right here, I have the Montana black oak target site bar with a shrewd nomad housing. I have, I have um, the sunshade on the front and the rear, and then I also have a lens in there. So there's a lot of weight going on. Oh, yeah. It's a lot of material. Um, and just to explain the difference, um, I, I have a 12-inch rear stabilizer with a 30-inch front stabilizer. Mm-hmm. On, on the rear, Like this goes back to the whole loaded down. Once I had it balanced, it just wasn't holding steady at full draw. Yeah, you get a couple shots, but when you're shooting all day uh, – you know, you get chief, you get fatigued. You're walking, um, concentration. Mm-hmm. That's why I started. I'm like, okay, I mess with this. I now have 18 ounces of weight on my rear stabilizer. Yeah, and I have six ounces yeah. up front. Uh, and I, I still mess with it. Um, I'm like, yeah, you know, let's yeah. tweak this a little bit because everything's changing. Um, your your skills set changes. Yeah, um, what you notice and you know, kind of leaning away from the hunting side, um, you know, after, so last year, and this happens, um, last year was my first year that I jumped into the national ASA side of things. Okay. Um, you know, you're traveling to different states. Um, mm-hmm. I've always shot local. I shot local ASA um, for a few years, and I wanted to up my competitiveness, you know, expand, meet new archers, uh, and grow, you know, where you're seeing, you're walking on the path of the national shoot, and you're seeing, you know, you guys are going to be by, and, you know, you're in, just, and they're great to like, you and, yeah, I just wanted to, like I said, grow myself and challenge, and so I do the K-50, the known 50, so you're able to range out everything um like i said this is my first time jumping it's hot um london kentucky and mm. i had a blast i've shot targets um, you know numerous times uh, but there's factors i didn't because i was new to it just to the the area the time of year um i wasn't prepared for the heat that played a factor um you know the strings did all right we made sure that they were good but it came mm. down to interesting the release my you know my your hands are getting sweaty. Yeah. Um, from the and I, I was like, man, I should have brought like a like a powder. You know, like you're going to use like if it's boxing or baseball. Oh or, yeah, sure. Um, like a resin bag, and mm-hmm. I'm thinking that I look over there. There's like a guy who has one. Ah, uh, um, yes. You learn little things that, like that. Yeah. Yeah, that played a factor at the time because I was just I wanted to try something. I, I tried 50 pound limbs mm-hmm. um, on the bow I had at the time, um, and now I have 60 pounds. I found out. Uh, if my, my game plan was to go in, okay, it's a long day, a lot of shooting, uh, less fatigue right. that could happen. You know, you just practice and you can acquire it. Um, but even then, I, I soon have realized that 
you, you move too much. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. If you're used to it. So after, you know, all that factors and I was learning, I didn't do so well the first time, um, on the national side, I, four, four shots, mm. uh, factored me from the top end to the bottom end. Wow. And, um, but I didn't get discouraged. I went and shot in Metropolis. I shot better. Um, you know, still use the same bow at the time. Now that bow is gone. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes. But after that, I made the tweaks. I came back and, um, you know, through the qualifications and the competitions at the state level, I was able to uh, win the state championship in the K-50. Congratulations. Uh, in Michigan. So, yeah. you know, like it goes back to what we've been talking about of don't give up, don't get discouraged, try new things. Yeah, um, no doubt. Uh, yes. So I found that out. And uh, it's just where I'm at. I'm getting ready to go start indoor this weekend. Yeah, that's coming up soon. A lot of people will be looking to, you know, get get started with that. You know, that's a, a higher level of competition than, than certainly most people would have experience with. But you have, you know, local indoor 3D leagues. You have local spots leagues. There's all kinds of things people can get involved with. And, and I, being that one of, uh, you know, your passions is, I would like to encourage other people that haven't done it yet to, to consider, to consider getting involved and, you know, helping if, if only, you know, their focus prior to this was pretty much just bow hunting, this will help you in that too. So it's a great way to pass some time during the winter and, you know, maybe it'll take you somewhere. You don't really know. And maybe I'll definitely, you know, get involved. I mean, um, you know, on the, on an indoor 3d setup, uh, it's going to be shooting at different targets at different angles, um, you know, big and small. Um, but when you go outside, unless depending on how the inside is, I, I haven't shot one like this, but you're going to start playing with shadows. Um, yeah. you know, and at 50 yards, most of the time they bury the target in a dark area. You have, you have to have good glass to find the 12 ring. Um, no doubt about that. Yes. But if you think about that, that transitions to the yeah. hunting world. You're in a tree, the sun is changing, you, you're yeah. beginning of the season, you know, September, October. Yeah. Um, it's going to, it can play with the site. Um, but mentally, you, you've, your body trains itself to adjust and you're, you're, you're more prepared. Um, I, like you said, it's fun. Yeah, um, it's fun and it's it's phenomenal practice. And and yeah, you could say, well, you're shooting on flat terrain, and you know how how accurate does that translate? Uh, I believe it does a lot in respect to the, the the mental repetition that you go through. You know, if you are shooting at something that closely represents what you're actually going to be hunting, I believe there's value, a lot of value in that. Um, you know, and I believe too, and of course you, I know you must believe in this, that, that the muscle memory is is so critical repetition, doing it correctly in repetition is, is important. And, you know, I think that's something that we should talk about at some point, whether we get into it fully today, I don't know, but, but rehearsing what you expect to encounter and how you're going to do everything step by step. You know, when you're in the hunting scenario, for example, um, you know, actually down to the point where if you have to attach your release to your D loop, at what point in this process are you going to do that? Where are you going to where and when are you going to stand up in your stand if you're going to take the shot standing? You know, not, not just thinking about where deer are going to come from, but thinking about every step of what's involved down to the point where you're releasing the arrow. And. That I think is 
underestimated the value in that. And by shooting practice indoor, whether it's 3D or whatever it might be, you're contributing to that process of repetition. And I just think that's really critical and it's overlooked. No, I agree. I mean, there's times where, uh, you know, I've had deer come in in the stand and they sneak, sneak up on you. And it's just, it's quiet, which I mean, quiet's great, but not when they do that because yeah. you know, wind <laughs> makes a noise. And you know, if you stand up, they, if they don't see you, the, the, the chance are they're going to hear you. Yeah. Uh, so the, to be comfortable to shoot sitting down, mm-hmm. um, if the shot presents itself, you should be ready. You have to be ready for uh, that. You do. And, and it's like, yeah, I think people get frozen sometimes because the scenario develops differently than they expected it to. And that can really, th- and I bet that throws you in competition too, is that oh, yeah. if you're not, if, if you envision a scenario playing out a certain way and you're too strict on, on what you expect, well, it may be different than you thought. And you may have to adapt quickly to that. And that's, yeah, they do that. Yeah. I mean, there's, it's usually the turkey. Um, you're shooting, at, you know, most of the courses, you know, in the, in, in the class I shoot. You're the shortest at times maybe 40 yards. Sure. Used most of them around 50. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they just toss in a turkey at like five yards. Oh, yeah. So mentally, yeah. You, you're, you're mentally zoned in at shooting farther. And then all of a sudden, you got to remember to shoot at five yards. And right. at that point right. in time, uh, this comes down to practice is you're, you're depending on your setup, shooting five yards to hit the 12 ring. You're t- you need to have your sight adjusted. Yeah. It could be 35, 40, because that's how the, the arrow is going to tr- project out right. of the bow that right. close. Right. Yeah, that's that's funny you mentioned that because, uh, you know, even like in the indoor league that I shoot, it's out to about, they have a pretty good in size indoor range, about 30 yards, about 30, and then, you know, they have all 30 targets. So it's it's quite a, quite a course, and they'll, they'll put in. Uh, a turkey target a lot of times, or even might be even like a coyote sometimes, but they'll put it like seven yards or like five yards. And you think, well, that's a pot shot. Yeah. To put it in the vitals, but to actually get the X ring is not as easy as you'd think given how close, you know, it is. And it's like pe- people all the time mess up on that shot. And it's, it's a great point that you make is that, you know, these scenarios will not be exactly what you expect and you got to be prepared to be able to adapt and be creative, but go through the process in your mind. And, and I think that's, that's something I did this year that I didn't do as much in the past. And, you know, part of it is, you know, maturing, you know, in age, maturing as a hunter, as you go along getting confidence, but, but also too, it's, it's like consciously telling yourself, I need to go through exactly what I want to do in these situations and be prepared for multiple situations. And, and then your confidence level will, will skyrocket. It really will. I believe, you know, so. No, you're right. Yep. hundred percent. Yep. So that's, we cover a lot of material here and I really am glad you, you went the directions you did with some of these things because people like to hear what kind of gear you're running. They like to know about those things. I mean, feel free to mention uh, what bows you're using exactly if you'd like. Um, yeah, I have. Um, so the, the previous hunting setup was on, it was the rain seven uh, by Bowtech. Um, the one right now is the Realm X. Um, and and just like any series that are that are out there, you know, like Athens or Matthews, mm-hmm. uh, they present different different. It could be the same necessarily the same model in the same line, but different actual actual. Mm-hmm. I went with that 
I went with the Realmax because it was a little bit longer axle axle for right. stability. Yeah. Um, and just as the bow presents itself before accessories are on it. Right. Um, so that, that means a lot. Um, the other guys that do like the shorter axle axles, um, Oh yeah, and that's yeah. that's their opinion. That works well for them, and that's great. Yeah, uh, I, that's how I feel. It's use what works for you. You know that. Yeah, that, yeah. And then now with the with the target stabilizer that I'm using for um, indoor as of right now, uh, we'll see if something changes. But I'm going. I have the BT mag, mm-hmm. and that's in the sixty pounds. Um, and last year it was that Fanatic three point It's a. Mm-hmm. I mean, we we see guys using that still, guys and girls. Um, when a company makes a great bow across the board, um, you usually see it used for some time. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I see that across the board, like I said. And so that's, you know, that's what I'm trying is in that one. Um, and that particular one I'm also playing with, uh, it has a more aggressive cam system, Mm -hmm. uh, that kind of tailored off of the BTX, um, the, the 31 and the 28 that they had years back because um, it's got a, a little you know some guys will call it like a teardrop um, mm-hmm. as it comes around right and the for, for me personally the, the smaller cams on that particular setup on the bow just wasn't panning out mm-hmm. um, and so far you know I like this one but the next step is going to be playing with some heavier arrows because mm-hmm. um, now I can notice some difference but yeah you know it's always trying I know there's a lot of new new great bows coming out this year there um, are yeah, there and are. so we'll see where that leads. Yeah, yeah, that's great that you have uh, you know that level of experience with different models, and you can comment you know with that kind of authority on what these different models bring to to you as a shooter, and, and that could give some people I think insight on what they might want to choose if they're looking at Bowtech or you know whatever uh, you know brand that they want to get into. Um, you know, as a company, of course, we're, we're currently working with Athens, but you know, I always say. That, that I don't take a position that that there is this one supreme best bow company or bow in, in the world. I, I, I never feel like that. I always feel like all of these top-end companies are producing phenomenal bows. Oh, and, yes. and you have to take that view in my mind because I don't subscribe to being um, – you know, completely enamored with whatever company it is and they can do no wrong. I don't believe that. I, I think and every company, like you mentioned earlier, there's always going to be recalls even on products. Sometimes they make a mistake and they realize it and they make changes the next year. And you have to look at options that are out there and consider that are all, they're all doing a pretty good job now with, t- with top end boats. Oh yeah. Well, so, you know, like mentioning recalls and I, I just think about it now, thinking back to, it wasn't actually a recall that you did. It was uh, an added option um, on the element X, um, the target staff, Oh yeah, uh, that's right. I remember when we were, right. we were talking, and yeah. it didn't have vortex in the front of it mm-hmm. before. Mm-hmm. You reached out to every owner that says, "Yeah, you know, if you want to send it back in, I will do this at no additional cost. Yeah. So you're going to take your time, disassemble this this stabilizer, add that in there, right? Um, and do that. And that that mean that goes a long way. Um, I appreciate because that. if you just say, "Hey." Oh, sorry, you're going to have to buy a brand new one. Right. Well, and, you know, honestly, that would be the approach of a lot of companies. They might even look at it and say, well, we can't we can't justify doing that. But I I look at it like I owe that to people. I owe them the option of having what I think is the best performance, the best feel that you can get. You know, so I 
I'm, you know, that may be to my detriment in some ways to the company's profitability, if you want to look at it that way. <laughs> but, but I don't think that's wrong. I think that's, that's going to get you, uh, I think that's going to get you loyalty from customers over, you know, and, and I believe they'll, they'll value that. So, um, we're coming up on almost, well, you have about eight minutes left before we hit an hour. And I think I want to end it around then. So let's finish up with one thing in particular that I think will okay. be of great interest to people. And you have personal experience now with us, so you can talk about it. We are, you know, if you've seen our website, you know, there is the coming soon model that's on there. It's called the hybrid target stabilizer. It's a departure in certain ways from things we've done in the past, but it's the same in some ways as things we've done. It involves titanium, but it also involves carbon fiber. And Tom uh, had the opportunity to test the first prototype. And I'd like to have you just give us our give us your initial feedback on what it is you saw that's different, maybe from that to, to the old element X's and what you think maybe is the advantage that this is going to give to the target archer that our other stabilizers didn't give them. Well, I, I mean, first I, I after testing it uh, and shooting it, I feel like I can truly say, I, I don't feel like it's a prototype. Um, yeah. You sent this out with that mindset, but it's, when you put it out and I shot it. Uh, it didn't feel like there wasn't much critiquing needed. Well, um, I was like, this, this thing's ready to rock and roll. I'll, I'll, you know, I'll take this and go shoot a, right. a tournament this weekend. Um, so that's one thing. Usually it takes a few shots at something for development. Yeah. Um, but this was definitely thought through from, from beginning to end. Um, so I'm eager to see that hit the, the line. But um, So when I the first thing was getting the box uh, from the mail, it was light, and I thought I thought you were playing a joke on me. Uh, <laughs> I was like, "There's not going to be a stabilizer in here." Yeah, um, right. So that's a big thing, um, you know. And as you put some info out there, you know, it's got a, a little bit of carbon with it, um, but it still has the, the titanium and your, the formula and everything else. Um, but that added being lighter, uh, but the bigger. The first thing I noticed was. Um, the rigidity you hit it on the head um it's good to but hear. then also it's good to hear the, the taper that you, you've done um with that part of the stabilizer you, you were grabbing any kind of shock right. or vibration uh immediately that's the um, intent that was the and, main intent and there's still a decent um i didn't measure um how much of, of that component is in there before it tapers out um, there's still, you know, it's like the perfect amount. It's not too long. It's not too short, um, of, of that taper portion, mm-hmm. but it, it allowed, um, for the right amount of material to be in there. Um, but then in the, the choice of, you know, carbon, which you know more of the selection that you went with there. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't too weak. You didn't see everyone flex. Like I mentioned, the super slow-mo. I was able to do, I could see it was, it was a great shot. Um, but what was more, you know, I put on the, the target rig and it shot great. Um, I, you know, I knew it would as soon as I grabbed it, but what was more interesting to me. And there are, um, archers that use this bow, uh, and tournaments, um, and a lot still do was on that realm X, um, you know, it's shorter actual axle compared to the mag. And, 
you know, just the, the limb design, they, they went with the wider one. So there's a lot of different factors. Um, I did, you know, that's a 30 inch stabilizer that you sent me and we had three ounces of the weight out front. Uh, and I only had, I used the same back bar, the six inch with the five ounces on there. Right. Um, so immediately the front's going to, it's going to kick forward. You know, you have a longer stabilizer. But what was interesting at, because of how light it was, um, mm-hmm. at full draw, that bow felt so nice and stable. Um, and then, you know, as you're, you know, we'll watch, uh, you know, there's some spot shootings going on. They always highlight it every year at Vegas. Uh, and you see the follow through that we all know about, the, you know, push pull. Mm-hmm. Um, and as, as I shot that on that bow, it went forward, but it kicked, it, it kicked back on itself. Hmm. Um, and I think, that you, you, I said, watch it. And there's some folks out there that are learning, you know, like we, we still are. Um, and it's kind of becomes a, like a muscle memory that you're going to follow through forward and let the bow kick backwards um, in that discipline. Um, but it was like on how the stabilizer was set up and how you designed it, it, it had the bow do it itself, which it just, it felt so natural. And I didn't, I didn't mean to do that. I mean, I'll say that's one area I lack in is on that. That back follow through, um, but it, it it just did it. So that amazed me. I think that's going to be a big uh, game changer. There's less focus on the the post shot, and now you're going to be able to focus during right. the shot more. Well, that's phenomenal feedback. Thank you. That that is what we were trying to accomplish here with this. Is that a you had to get the base weight down, you know, and by going all titanium, there were a couple disadvantages to that. One is the base weight is going to be a good bit higher. So at 30 inches without the end weights added, this new stabilizer runs 5.5.25 ounces. That's right in line with, you know, the other top end all carbon stabilizers. But we're giving you a two inch section of titanium plus, like you said, there's that taper coupler. So, you know, you're getting... You're getting the ability to get that uh, back follow through because of the fact that you have the metal portion in against the riser and and there's a little bit of weight there and there's the vortex material there. So that I I think is that's a departure from what people might expect because they they target archers, I believe, are looking for light all the way from riser end until they get to the end and then it's weight. And they're not thinking about what's the benefit of maybe strategically placing some weight towards the riser and using titanium to suppress a lot of that energy before it makes it to the the carbon bar portion. And that's what we did with this. So real glad to hear that you liked it. And I think that if we can get people to give it a shot, they're going to see that this can compete with anything out there. And and in our minds, it's better than anything out there. So, um, so I agree. I'm just waiting to see, uh, the productions so that we can get a a back bar going that will be that it's all you know everything is in like this big pot basically everything's boiling at all all times here and it's and sometimes certain things have to stay on the back burner for a little while you know it's like this is one of those where i wanted to launch it out by right now and have it available but there's uh you know i i mentioned this to you before we started recording but there's a little bit of a snag in the supply for us getting the carbon fiber we want and i'm not willing to just throw something out there if it's not right so, oh, yeah. so that's where we are, nope. but and that's a great, great plan. You never want to yep. just toss something out there. No, but, no. Um, but, uh, no, I'll be eager for it to be available. And, um, well, it's on the website to look at everybody. So titaniumarcherproducts.com look under our target stabilizer collection and you'll see the hybrid. So 
we about expired, I think, our time we were going to cover here today. And we hopefully gave you guys some really interesting things to think about. And that's what we want you to do. We challenge you to think, challenge you to explore, try new options. Thanks for your time. Thank you, Tom, for being on as a guest. It was a great show. Thank you, Sam. It was a pleasure. Thanks again. And stay tuned, everybody, for more episodes and stay tapped out.